Turn your Bibles to um, Ephesians chapter 3. Of course, we've been talking about since the start of the year, Exodus 2020. And that's where the Lord said, fear not, Yare, fear not, so that you can fear the Lord, Yare. And so what's he talking about? He's saying, he's saying, if you'll, if you'll reverence me, if you'll honor me, then, then you won't sin. And, you know, like Jesus said some things that make me chuckle sometimes, where he, he hears somebody, he says, go and sin no more. And, you know, how many of you know that's an impossibility? Unless you're going to drop dead on the way home. And, and really what, he, but he, what he's saying is practice what you practice. It's like I said a, a, a month ago, an illustration, you know, a, a pig and a sheep fall in the mud. What's the difference between the pig and the sheep? The sheep doesn't like it. And you and I, sometimes we fall in the mud, but we don't like it. And so, so we practice sin, especially Pastor Paul, until he perfected it, <laughs> you know. And now he's practicing righteousness, right? <laughs> Aren't you glad? <laughs> Shirley said she's very happy over the situation. Yeah. And then we looked, at, of course, at uh, Chronicles 2020. It's about getting 2020 vision. It's about restoring your sight. It's about the eyes of your understanding, Ephesians chapter 1 says, being enlightened. So that you can begin to look. Some of you just need to rekindle some dreams. Some of you need to begin to dream again. Some of you, it's been such a long time that, you've, that you think, will it ever come to pass? And the answer is yes, if you don't quit and if you don't cave in. And this year, this year is the beginning of a new decade. And this year is a decade of destiny. It's a, it's a decade of divine alignment with the things of the Spirit of God. It's, it's an exciting time to be alive. So we look at Chronicles 2020, and he says, if you believe God... You'll be established. But you know, how many of you know, Luke chapter 12, verse 32 says that it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He wants to, you to be kingdom minded. But then he says, then he also says, I want you to love me with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so in order to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, John stepped up and he, he said that he loved his wife with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, they had to get to know one another. It may have started as infatuation, but through the hard times, not just through the good times, anybody can do it through the good times, through the hard times, you learn to grow together or you drift apart, depending on your how determined you are to make things work. And so, so, and it's the same thing with God. How can, you know, a child, a baby at home doesn't really love their parents. They know how to cry and they have, know how to do things to prompt, you know, the meals to come and the diapers to get changed and things like that. And then as they grow up, when they're up until they're teenagers, they really love their parents and think that their parents are very intelligent. And then they get into teenage years and young 20s, and they're not sure that their parents know anything at all, right? And then after a little while, after they've endured some things of their own, they realize that their parents are pretty smart. But the, what, my point is the process of loving somebody, is, is, it's ongoing. And so you, you just don't get to some place where you've arrived. He said, I want you to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And here's where the church has failed to touch the world. Because we've not loved ourselves. It's, it's, it just hasn't happened. Um, and then, but, but again, he doesn't say be in love with yourself. But, but you need to love yourself because he's saying love your neighbor as you love yourself. And how can you love anybody else if you don't like you? Right, and so when I look back at every move of the Spirit of God, and I've I've done some, you know, intense study on some of those moves of the Spirit, and in every in every case, the thing fizzled out because of that one thing. 
After a while, I mean, everybody's so happy to be saved, but then after a while, religion comes in, and now, now you've got to do this, and you've got to do that, and you've got to do the other thing, and it just cripples that free... You know, the Bible says in Malachi chapter 4 that we're supposed to be like calves loosed from the stall. Like, you know, you let a cow out into the pasture or any other thing, man, and you just watch them go. And God says, that's the way that you're supposed to be, that I'm supposed to be. And the way that you get there is by receiving the love of God, because then when I'm, but again, it goes back to Exodus twenty twenty. He said, he said, fear not, but he said, so that you can fear me so that you sin not. Well, my love for God causes me to want to do the right thing. My love for God, he promised me in Psalm 23 that he would lead me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And that he'd prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. So I know he's not talking about heaven. There's no enemies there. So, so I need to get a hold of the love of God. You need to get a hold of the love of God. You need to get a hold of the love of God. It's got to capture you. I mean, it's just got to grip you and to grab you. And so let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. My prayer as a pastor, I pray, I say, Lord, let me love them when they come to stay. But Lord, let me love them when they walk away. Because that's the love of God. You know, because so many times we can get, somebody does us wrong and we can get Bitter, and my Bible tells me not to let a root of bitterness get in me because it'll grow up and it'll, not only will it embitter me, but now I'm, now I'm bitter and now I'm going to go talk to Rick. And so, when, so I'm going to pump the seeds of bitterness into Rick. Maybe we're discussing somebody in the church. And, and so now all of a sudden, Rick, who wasn't, wasn't even a part of the situation, doesn't like so-and-so. Why? Because I took the, the bitterness that, I, that was in me and so did in him. But can you imagine if you had the seed of love in you? How fast the gospel would spread. It would be a miracle, amazing thing. People would say, how did that ever happen? But because they did what Jesus said. They'll know you're my disciples by the way you love one another, not the way you criticize and judge one another. And, and people always, you know, if you're looking at people to let you down, they always will. Right? Am I right about that? But if you look at people and look for the best, you'll find it too. You can find the worst and the best. And, we, you know, and again, I think I told this story before. Years ago, we, we'd always gone to the States to shop before Trudeau because our dollar was worth a dollar. And, um, but I remember one time years ago, we went into J.C. Penney, the French version of J.C. Penney. And, uh, and, uh, I found a new regular bin. All the clothes were there was something wrong with them. And I found I, I found a pair of pants with one leg shorter than the other. Just like me. Like no, no, I was smashed up my leg in a car accident. The other two people died. I was in the hospital for like three and a half months as a teenager. And um, so this one leg is Shorter than the other. If one of these things is not like the other, and uh, and uh, but the the pants, I took them out and I put them on and they fit perfectly. That one leg <laughs> didn't have to hem anything up. It was just like wow. And I heard the Lord say to me, "This is just like you, son. I found you in the regular bin." And so then I started pastoring the church and I recognized all of you from that same bin. <laughs> Right? No, no, but if we can accept each other's irregularities, we can have fun. You know, our differences can be fun. It's like I put on Facebook the other day, skin don't make you kin. I'm amazed that people would judge one another by the color of their skin. No, no, let's, let's, let's get together and have a party in the Holy Ghost. Let's learn how to love one another not be offended by one another. And so this is, this is what Ephesians chapter 3, you know, Paul prayed some powerful prayers that we can pray them every day. Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 3. He said, this is the reason I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whom the whole family, of the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he grant unto you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might in your inner man, 
Then he says that Christ will dawn your heart by faith and you be rooted and grounded in love. Rooted speaks of a seed being pushed out of sight into the dark. Right? Except according to wheat, Jesus said, except according to wheat, fall in the ground and die in a alone. He said, when you, when you come to me, I'm going to take you and shove you into the dark until you take root. And in order for you to take root, what has to happen to the seed? Yeah. Yeah, but this is what Paul talked about, again, in, in, in Galatians 2.20. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. It took him 20 years to get there, but he understood the process. Because Paul would talk a lot about the grace of God and not a whole lot about the love of God because he didn't understand it. Whereas John, when he wrote, he wrote, I think, 60-some-odd times, he mentioned the word love, agape love. He got it. He got it because he was a teenager when he met Jesus, and he wasn't all messed up. Like when Paul met Jesus, Paul had been really messed up. He had been caught up in religion like I was caught up in drugs. It was just another drug. And so here he is, he's saying, you need to be rooted. But the root, when it begins to grow, it has to be love. Your death is your resurrection. It's almost like no cross, no crown. (laughs) no no again I need to love myself but I don't need to be in love with myself but in order to love myself I have to know and learn the love of God and I need to be rooted and grounded that would be like Psalm chapter 1 like a tree planted he said I'm not going to stand in the way of the sinner sit in the seat of the scornful but my delight is in the word of God and in his word I delight day and night so that I make my way prosperous and have good success and then he says I'm like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth my fruit in a season. What's the fruit? The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness. All of that comes from the root, love. And when you got born again, that seed was planted in you. So your new nature is the love nature. Then he, got, then he, then he says, after being rooted, he says... He says, and again, the Greek word is rizo or something, rizu, and it means to take root. But then he says grounded, and that's the word thamelion, and it means a foundation or a basic stone. So what he's saying is you need to build your life on the love that God has for you. Well, what should I do about that? I was hoping you would ask. No, and it says that be rooted and grounded in love, not just influenced by it. He said, if you're rooted and grounded in love, you'll be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the breadth, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge so that the answer to everything is right there so that you can be filled with the fullness of God. Everything that you need, everything that you need in your life, it's amazing. No, but I I thought about this yesterday. We will get comfortable with mountains. Jesus said, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and not doubt in your heart, but believe the things you say will come to pass. You can have whatever you say. But we drive by those mountains every day. Or they become such a part of our lives that it's someday this miracle will happen. Someday this healing will take place. Someday, no, it's there now. Everything, if you'll press in, if you'll push, you don't have to wait for anything. The reason why we're waiting is we're waiting for God to move and it's not his. How bad do you want it? No, we become familiar with the mountain range. It's the reason why it's called a mountain range is because we're so familiar with it. We've accepted it. We've accepted less than what God has for our lives. And then we pursue other things, other interests. Well, I think, you know, you know, and it's always out here. The things out here aren't going to fill what's in here. Everything that you need is already in here, according to Ephesians 1 and verse 3. So, but I can run and I can tell so many of my problems or I can go here and I can do, go there. I remember one time, Lloyd Skinner, if you're watching up in Marguerite, how you doing, Lloyd? I remember one time he came home and he was living in Texas and he had this beautiful new van. And he said, I want to introduce you to Ishmael. 
I said, well, what do you mean by that? He said, well, I'd been believing God for a van, but I couldn't wait, so I, got a, I went and got a loan. <laughs> and he said, the difference between, I, I understand the difference between Isaac and Ishmael is Isaac you don't have to pay for, but Ishmael is going to call you every month, right? <laughs> but you're in a hurry, and you got it. And the thing that should have been a blessing... <laughs> No, no, get a couple of years and a, a few miles on it. <laughs> I know I'm talking to the I know I'm talking to you, the right people here today. So, but again, he says, rooted and grounded in love, not influenced by it. And he said, I want you to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge because when you, it, it passes intellectual knowledge, it, it's something you grab in your heart. When you find out that God loves you and he's not mad at you. It's amazing how we can read these verses and they don't get us. John 3.17, I never came to condemn the world, but to reconcile you back to my father. What? And then every time you do something wrong, instead of running to him, you run away from him. Instead of saying, hey, God, look at this. How are we, how are we, we, we going to fix this? I broke it, Dad. How are we going to fix it? Well, I'm glad you asked, son. Let's walk this thing out. Come on. So, so to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge to be filled with the fullness of God. And then he tells you in the next verse, I'm powerful. I am all powerful. I can do it. Listen to this pea brain. I can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. So get your thought life out of it. Get rooted and grounded in love. Concentrate on how much I love you every day. Start every day like Paul the Apostle learned to do. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Notice it says always. That means when things are bad. That means when things are good. That means when you wake up like I did the other morning and it was minus 29 out in the country. Hallelujah. And I'm rejoicing. <laughs> No, but I mean, that's the worst thing I deal with. I mean, there are people that are going through some serious things, but the answer is still the same. It's a big thing. It's a little thing. Rejoice. Thank you, Lord. This is the day. No matter what the day looked like when I got up, this is the day that you have made, and I'm going, I am going to rejoice and be glad in it. I, I tell Nancy, I'm just rejoicing. I don't need to rejoice because I've been rejoicing all morning. If I let it go in the afternoon, then I'll rejoice. But right now, I'm just rejoicing. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, uh, so, but it's a foundation. It's a basic foundation of your life. See? The basic foundation of your life is you understanding that God loves you. That is the primary objective of your life. Because when you get a hold of that, then you'll actually be able to love other people. Because you'll have love and respect for yourself. David was amazing to me. David wrote Psalm 139 and he said, I thank you, God, that I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. He didn't say, I thank you, God. I'm, I'm upset, God, because I'm too fat. I'm upset, God, because I'm too thin. I'm upset, God, because I'm too short. I'm upset, God, because I'm too tall. I started a New Year's resolution. I started a diet and I'm upset about that again. And the devil just keeps tormenting you, tormenting you, tormenting you. No, no, you get to the place where you can look in the mirror and say, thank you, God, I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. No, but it's self-acceptance. Like, come on, that's a basic thing. You got to get a hold of this. You can't always be listening to the devil and condemning yourself. Trash talking yourself. I don't measure up. Well, it depends on, on what you're measuring yourself against. <laughs> I've been to the Philippines eight times. Hallelujah. Any day in Canada is a good day. Yeah. I love you Filipinos. You're watching, but I know there's some hard times in a place like that. Anyway, let's go to 1 John chapter 4. This is going to turn into three or four Sundays maybe. How about verse 7? 1 John 4, little John 4, verse 7. Beloved. Notice, I, I always like that because he didn't say you scum, swamp, swamp scum. Right? 
He didn't say, you, you barely getting by. How did I ever get you in the kingdom? No, no, even the guy that said uh, uh, that saved a wretch like me, he, that was before he got saved. Come on, he operated a slave ship. He was the most wretched man you could ever meet in your life. That's why the grace was so amazing. Yeah. Beloved, let us. That would include all of us. Let us correct one another and instruct one another and judge one another. <laughs> Pick on the weak one. No, no, the devil's picking on somebody, so you go and help. That's not what it says here. It says, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Now, I always like to point out there's two things here. Both, both people are born of God, but one knows God. And so you can be born of God and not have any love in your heart at all. N nothing developed, no fruit developed. But he said, you, but when you know him, you, when, when, when you're born of God and you know God, love will flow from you. How does that work? He's going to tell you in the next verse. He that loves not knoweth not God. See, so if you don't have love in your heart, it's because it's not because it's not there. It's because you don't know it's there because you don't know him. I, I think it's so cool when I read this Old Testament. I, I'm watching Moses in my mind. I was right there one day. I'm telling you, I saw this. I saw him kill that Egyptian, and I saw him go get a shovel and bury the guy in the sand. Because I watched a lot of CSI crime investigation. I'm thinking, hmm. <laughs> you know, he's covering up the deal, right? <laughs> But yet God didn't give up on him. God used him to, he, like, he was a deliverer. He delivered three million people. Now I understand Joshua was the, the freedom fighter, but the freedom fighter would have never had any fight to, fight, to, 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 to deal with if, if Moses hadn't led them across the desert. Moses, the guy that buried a guy in the desert, led them across the desert, and he knew he was called of God when he killed the Egyptian. No, no, but here's another thing. We can forgive him. We can forgive, forgive David for killing, you know, Uriah the Hittite and all that kind of stuff. We can forgive these guys, but we can't forgive one another. No, no, the, the church has been famous over the years for shooting the wounded. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you believe what they did? Well, I'm, you know, it's even like when I'm watching them talking about Donald Trump or whoever, and I'm not picking political sides, or Republican, Democrat, or whatever. But I, I, when I look at it, I'm saying, I thank God that I'm not on the news. My backstory wasn't very pretty. I thank God they're not going back finding out how I treated somebody 40 years ago and pulling it up and, and making it news. And so, you know, instead of trying to clean up a White House or Parliament Hill, sometimes it's our own host that probably needs the attention. But as long as we can find trouble out there, we can leave this. <laughs> and God's saying, no, that's not the way it works. He that loveth not doesn't know God, for God is love. Now he's going to talk about how love gets demonstrated in the next verse, verse 9. And this was manifested the love of God toward us. Oh, I love this verse. Because that God sent his only. You know, you, but you haven't given until you've given your only. The one with the two mites. I mean, you know, I've given away things that didn't cost me anything. And they were easy. Right? When he tells you to give away your car or something like that, it, 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 it causes you to make sure you're hearing the voice of God. But anyway, he gave his only begotten son into the world. Why? Why did he do this? This is the demonstration of love, that we might live through him. Amen. And, and I like verse 10. As well. These verses are all good. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son as a propitiation for our sins. Propitiation simply means mercy seat. And he's talking about how he had mercy on us when we were at our worst. So that we could have mercy on others when they're at their worst. 
I see so many people over my 28 years crippled by unforgiveness, wondering why their life is not going ahead. It's just, it's just, and it always comes back to the same thing. You don't know how much God loves you because if you knew how much God loved you, that depression would leave. Those problems that, I'm not saying they're not real, but I'm saying they would leave the love of God. Why would you say that, Pastor? Because love never fails. That's gospel. Love never fails. So when love is being manifested, whatever you're believing God for is going to manifest too. But are you convinced that he loves you? And are you loving other people as you love yourself? Do you, once you get established in the fact that you, he loves you and that you love you, everything else will, will roll. Yeah. Beloved God's, verse 11, see? Beloved, if God so loved us, shouldn't we be able to love one another? I have been, again, I have been a Christian for like 40 years probably. And, uh, and I've been in groups where, look, I just want to share this with you. I want to tell you about Annette Lyons and blah, 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 just so that we can pray for her. Huh? What was that? It had nothing to do with prayer. It had to do with I'm insecure, and so I'm not going to push somebody else down. It's kind of like seeing somebody in pride. Pride is the big, biggest sign of insecurity you'll ever find. It's just the total. <laughs> Beloved, if God so loved us, I mean, again, beloved, there it is again. Beloved, if God so loved us, shouldn't we just automatically love one another? No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby we know that we dwell in him and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and do testify the Father sent the Son, the Savior of the world. Verse 15. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. So my potential, he, he couldn't tell me, and it wasn't a request, it was a commandment to love God and to love my neighbor. He wouldn't tell us that if it wasn't possible. He's not going to call you to do something that you can't do. So every one of us, uh, it, it, the excuse just got rubbed out. But again, check your heart. You, I remember one time, we, we used to have a Bible study out in Fall River, and sometimes we'd have 40 or 50 people in our living room on a Saturday night. And I remember this one woman in particular, God told me to go get the mirror off the bathroom wall <laughs> and, and bring it out and set it in her lap. And I said, now you look in that mirror and you tell yourself, I love you. And she just busted right up. So then we started passing the mirror around the room, John. It was surprising how many people had no self-respect, no self-esteem. Isn't that a terrible thing? To think that the creator of the universe made us and we don't value ourselves? Like, it's almost like an insult to the manufacturer when you, don't, when you complain about the product. Right? Like you buy something from Amazon and they'll try to get, a, get you to do a little survey. You get something from God, do the survey. Say, yes, I'm fear, like David, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes, Lord, I read Psalm 139, 17. The thoughts that you have toward me are more in number than the grains of sand on the earth. Whew. When I awake, you're still there with me. Yeah, like, you know, it's like, you know, you got a little baby and you're looking in there at night, opening the door and seeing the baby in the crib. In the morning, you're peeking to see when they wake up. Well, you, once they get a little older, you don't need to peek. They're waking you up. But, but you know what I mean. It's the heart of God. When you feel that, it's the heart of God. Whosoever, verse 15, God dwells in him, he and God. Verse 16. And we have, look at these two words here, known and believed. The love that God has for us. God is love. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Verse 17, herein is our love made perfect that, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. And he's not talking about judgment day. 
He's talking whatever situation comes up in your life that you can be bold because you're, because as, look at this. What does that verse, the end of that verse say? Because as he is going to be. No, because as he is, so are we in this world. That's why a church ought to be filled with signs and wonders and miracles and things like that. But we've drifted so far away from the love of God that now we have to struggle to believe for the, for the things that are boldly promised in the word of God. James, when he stood up and said, is there any sick among you? Whenever I read that, I'm, I'm amazed that he had to ask. Because in the church in, the, in 2020, you don't have to ask, is there any sick among you? Just bring a healing evangelist in and watch how many people go forward for something. Something that we should have, and again, don't take this as criticism, but if we understood the love of God, not intellectually, but in our hearts, the healing would just be manifesting all the time. It would just, it would flow. But we're so conditioned, and, and again, you know, we've been educated beyond our intellect a lot of times, but education is a good thing, but not when it takes the place of this book that makes no sense. The miracles and the signs and the wonders that are in this book. So he says, as he is, so are we in this world. And I like verse 18. This is how you'll know. This is how I will know that my love is mature. No fear. No worry. Be anxious for nothing but in everything of prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Make your requests be made known unto God. And then let the peace of God that passes understanding rule your heart and rule your mind. And the things that are true, pure, just, virtuous, praiseworthy, and of a good report, you think on these things. What are you thinking about? So my love was mature when it doesn't matter what happens, I don't get anxious. I, I, there's no anxiety. But this is attainable. I, I, I haven't attained it yet, but I'm on my way. Would you like to come too? There is no fear. No anxious thoughts. No, no, oh, 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 what's going to happen? No, Murphy's Law. You're not under Murphy's Law. You're under grace. Hallelujah. No fear in love. Perfect love. Mature love. It's teleos in the Greek. It simply means mature. Mature love. It doesn't say the fear won't come, but it'll cast it out. I reject that. I reject that. I didn't order that. It came to the door, but I didn't accept it. I didn't sign for it because, it because I didn't order it. The devil sent it, and I'm not accepting it. You take it back where it came from. Because fear hath torment. Exactly. When you're feeling tormented and tortured and wondering. I know that God loves everybody else, but maybe something about me takes him off. Like, like where is he when I prayed? He's right where he was before he prayed. He said, I'll never leave you, never fail you, never forsake you. He's been there. You were there all the time. Come on. He's there all the time. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. He's there. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Hallelujah. I better look at my watch because this message, I haven't even introduced it yet. I'm not kidding. I just, he that feareth, he's going to tell you. It's because you're not mature in love. So, yeah, but I mean, that's not a condemnation thing. When I look at that, I'm thinking, that's encouragement to me. That means I just need to grow a little more. Like the little baby growing up with his parents. I, I may have to go through the whole process, but I'm going to get to a stage in my life where I just trust you. Like Job said, I, you know, though you slay me, <laughs> I trust you. And like Paul the Apostle, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave his life for me. And I don't frustrate the grace of God like I always used to. Because if righteousness came by how good I could act, then Christ died in vain. That What a revelation for a man that was the most religious man that ever lived to say. I don't frustrate the grace of God for if righteousness came by me doing good, then Christ died for nothing. So it's not, the onus isn't even on me. The onus is on me to believe and develop a love relationship with God. Love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. If I, if, I, if I spend the rest of my life doing that, 
That's what he said in Hebrews 4.11, labor to enter into my rest. <laughs> labor to enter into the Sabbath day, you're off. The Sabbath day means you're off, it's done. He said, labor to get into that place where, where it doesn't matter what's going on, I'm not responsible. <laughs> it's, not my, it's not my deal. I understand fight the good fight of faith, but it's a faith fight. It's not a physical fight, and it's not a, you know, oh, brother, the war is intense around me. No, it didn't. The war's over. We sing a song here. The war's over. The battle's won. You know, you'll hear preachers preaching, oh, the war, the war. But, but, but read the Bible. Preachers can be wrong. The book is always right. Amen. Okay, where can I go now so that I can... Let's go to... Let's go to Luke chapter 10. We're still talking about the love of God. We're still talking about Exodus 20-20 and Chronicles 20-20. And in Corinthians 15 58, being steadfast and unmovable, steadfast in the love of God. Still got that going on. We still got Colossians 2, 9 and 10 going on. He's the head of all principality and power, and we are complete. It complete sounds like the struggle is over too, doesn't it? So then what am I going to do to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Study the book more? Well, that helps. Spending time with him, that helps. But it's not a struggle. It's an invitation to be intimate. It's like when we do communion later. Communion is the word koinonia. And originally, 1,600 years before the Koine Greek was written, it meant intimacy in the bedroom between a husband and wife. But later on, as it developed, they, it meant partnership, intimacy, fellowship, and responsibility. And so when you're taking communion with him, it's like you're becoming, you're renewing. We, we could say it's like you're renewing your vows. Every week you say, hey, thank you, God. I'm remembering now what you did for me so that I don't have to struggle. So that I don't have to fight to get healed. So that I don't have to fight for, for uh, to live a successful life because your blood redeemed me from sin and your body redeemed me from sickness and disease. And so every time I remind myself, I get stronger. Anyway, in, in, in uh, Luke chapter 10, there's a, an interesting story about a lawyer. And uh, lawyers are always looking for loopholes. <laughs> That's what they do. What was that Gene Hackman movie? Yes, that was a really good movie. Class action. Yeah, that was a good movie. But <laughs> you may be going home later and looking for it. Okay, that was a good movie. I'm telling you. Okay, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him or tested him. There is a love test, but you need to know that when the love test comes, Satan brings it, not God. It's like when Satan, you know, Jesus said to Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. And when, when you read it, it's uh, Luke twenty two thirty, I think. When you read it, it gives the idea that Satan said he's going to sift every one of them. Desired to sift all of you like wheat to see if th what you have is real. And he has the right to do that, unfortunately, because the earth lease was signed over from Adam to Satan. That's why... Satan was able to offer it to Jesus. He said, Jesus, you won't have to go to the cross. If you'll just bow down and worship me, you can save all that, and I'll give you the whole planet. How could he do that? Because he owned the lease. He owned a 6,000-year lease on the earth. Anyway, so this certain lawyer stood up and came to test Jesus, saying, Master, what shall I do? And that's always a sign of arrogance, too. What will I do? Nothing. You can't do anything to inherit eternal life. He said unto him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? He answered and said, yeah, there it is. You shall love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said unto them, you have answered right. Do this and you'll live. But he willing to justify himself. He willing to justify himself. Said, again, looking for a loophole, who's my neighbor? Jesus answered and said, well, you're a certain lawyer. I want to tell you about a certain man. And this was a certain man. I believe it was Adam 
I believe it was Adam. I believe that this story is about Adam. He wanted to justify himself. He, he said, a certain man went down. Anytime you leave the presence of God from Jerusalem down to Jericho, Adam left the presence of God. And, and, and God said, Adam, where are you? So it, it could be. I'm not saying it is. But, to, but it is a certain man. So it wasn't just a, a, a story that he made up to, to help the lawyer. It was a certain man. He went from Jerusalem down to, to Jericho, and he fell among thieves. And I've mentioned before, when you travel that road, that's what you're going to run into. That's why when the wise men came, it wasn't three, one with gold, one with frankincense, and one with myrrh. It was a small army to the point where when they came into Jerusalem, all of Jerusalem was stirred up at their presence because you didn't travel down this road alone. He fell among thieves. They stripped him of his raiment. Well, what happened to Adam? He lost his glory, Right? All men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Adam lost his glory. So he was stripped of his raiment. And they wounded him and departed and left him half dead, spiritually dead. Right? So he's half dead. And then by chance, a certain priest came by. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Because religion can't save you. Religion can't help you. It'll always pass by on the other side. Oh, it'll point out things that are wrong in your life, but it won't give you any answers. When I came to church, I didn't need anybody to tell me I was a sinner. I already knew that. I was looking for somebody to help me out the hole, not push me further down in. Unfortunately, some churches will do that, but I found a good church after a while. Anyway, uh, after going through about eight or ten, by the way, <laughs> they, they weren't all that great. <laughs> and, uh, so he, they left him half dead, and, and, and the priest went by. And then in verse 32, it says a Levite. Well, the Levite is like the ritual of the law. And so the Levite couldn't help him either. He passed by on the other side. But now there's a certain, another certain, something to be certain of, a certain Samaritan that came, came by. And, and when he said that to the Jewish lawyer, the lawyer would have went tilt. There's no such thing as a good Samaritan. Remember in John chapter 4 when Jesus showed up in Samaria at the well, at Jacob's well? And the woman said, who are you, a Jew, even talking to me, a Samaritan? They, they despised them because they were, they were, they were um, multicultural. They were like my grandkids. I got the prettiest grandkids you ever saw, three girls. They come from a white husband and a black wife. And they're beautiful and I didn't even know what racism was until I went to Franklin, Tennessee the first time to visit them. I'm walking down the street with them, and I got black people looking at me disgusted and white people looking at me disgusted. I'm thinking, I can't win here today. So I, no, no. So I found a, I found a Civil War a, a graveyard. It was just down the street. And, uh, and we went in, and some of the coffins were on the top of the ground, cement coffins. Uh, myself and Noel, we sat on one of those coffins, kicking our feet back and forth. And I'm thinking, if the guy under here, <laughs> if that diggity dude down there knew what was happening now, he would freak out. <laughs> so we stayed a little longer, just in case. <laughs> I wasn't as saved as I am now, sanctified. Yeah, so... <laughs> So, so this is why it had to be the Samaritan, because it just messed up all his religion, just messed him up hard. So the Samaritan saw him and had compassion on him, and he went and bound up his wounds, pouring in, look at this, the oil and the wine, the wine of the new birth, the oil of the Holy Ghost, it's all right there. And he bound up his wounds, pouring in the oil and the wine, and set him on his own beast, Hallelujah. And brought him to the inn, brought him to the Holy Ghost to take care of him. And in the morning, verse 35, when he departed, he left two pence, two days' wages. Jesus has been gone for 2,000 years. Now, I don't think that that's a coincidence either that he mentioned two pence here. He says, so then he says, whatever, I like this. If he owes any more when I come, put it on my tab. This is the God you serve. Amen. If you owe any more when he comes, it's on his tab. Amen. Now that ought to make you thrilled. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. But a certain Samaritan, you know, when I think about Samaritan too, I also think God and man. All, you know, he thought not rather to be equal. God made himself of no reputation, took on the form of a man. Found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself to the death of the cross. But he was all God and all man. <laughs> and you're all man and all God because you're his son, you're his daughter. 
Now, which of three, these three do you think was a neighbor to him that fell among thieves? Well, there's only one answer. He said, he that showed mercy on him. Then said, Jesus, go and do likewise. <laughs> go and do likewise. Go and do the same thing. Go and show mercy to somebody else. If you're having a problem, you know, I, I remember they taught us this in Narcotics Anonymous many years ago. If you want something, give it away. If you want to keep your sobriety, go and help somebody else stay sober. And so for a long while, I did that too. I, I remember one time I drug a guy, I walked into his room, and um, he, he was drinking brute, brute cologne. He drank four or five bottles. He smelled real good, but he was drunk. And uh, I drove all the way across town to get him, so I wasn't going to leave him there. I got him up and I drug him down the car and threw him in the back seat and took him to a Morris Sorello meeting. Morris Sorello was having meetings out in Sackville High School. Drugged that guy in and popped him up in the front row. <laughs> that wasn't my best experience. So one time I took a guy that was on LSD and took him to see the movie Noah's Ark at Evangel Temple. <laughs> he was already hallucinating, but when he got in there, he was totally freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, far out, man. <laughs> you can have fun witnessing if you're determined. Yeah. I'm just watching my watch here. Can I have 15 more minutes? Are, are you sure you can stay with me that your mind's not going to wander to something else? Because they don't want you to miss this. If your mind wanders off, like some of you, you already left, I could. <laughs> You get to see a lot from up here. <laughs> no, if you could just stay with me for just a couple more minutes. I, I can help you with a love test. Okay, Matthew chapter 4. No, but you need to know whenever you're tested. James said it this way. Let no man say when he's tested, tempted, or tried that he's tried by God. For God tempts no man with what? With evil. God will test you by giving you a, a load of money to see if you'll tithe off it. God will give you a load of money to see if you'll actually share it with God. That's, he'll test you with good things. He said, I'll never tempt you, test you, try you with evil. Okay? Is that settled? Okay, you might have life and have it more abundantly. Okay, so let's read chapter 4 and verse 1. Then was Jesus led... One, uh, I think Mark's gospel says he was driven into the wilderness. It was like he didn't want to go. Have you ever been driven somewhere you didn't want to go? Yeah, so you're driven into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And I'd like to point out that the devil is diabolos, diabolos. Dia means all the way through, like the center of a circle. And bolos means to throw. And so what he likes to do is throw stuff around to confuse you. Have you ever been in a situation where everything seemed to be going sideways? It's diabolus. It's the guy throwing the balls around. He's throwing the balls around trying to confuse you. He's the author. The Bible says he's the author of confusion. So if you've got balls bouncing around in your life, you know that he's the identity thief. Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Thank God it was him and not me. Okay. I'm just trying to make it through to lunchtime today. <laughs> Anybody says they like fasting, I'd like to talk to you later and you can pray for me. I like that anointing on my life. Okay, it went, the, the, the tempter came, he said, if you're the son of God, he knew exactly what he was, who he was. You think he didn't know? It's like if and I know who you are. It's like, but he does the same thing to you. Do you think God really loves you? Do you think God really cares about you? Might care about the pastor, but not about you. Surely not you. Yeah, you. You alone. Make it, make it individual, you. If you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Hmm. So what's that? What's that? What kind of a test is that? And again, it's only a test when you have a choice to do right or wrong. That's what the tree in the Garden of Eden was all about. You had to have a choice or the test wasn't fair. And so he said, if you're the son of man, you haven't, you haven't eaten in 40 days, turn these stones into bread. So, so test number one could be provision. 
Are you walking in love or will lust of the flesh cause you? Uh, I, I'm going to use this because the offering was taken up an hour ago. Not to tithe. Right? When you know that God requires it. He doesn't demand it, but he offers it. He demanded it in the Old Testament and New Testament. He offers it. He offers it. So he said, turn these stones into bread. Okay, am I provision-minded? And am I going to use my anointing to get provision? And this was the test that Jesus, it was real for Jesus, and it's real for you too. And um, Jesus answered and said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I thought, wow, you're only as good as your information. If you, if you know what the Bible says, then you could defeat the devil when he tries to tempt you with a shortcut to provision. How about that? A shortcut to providing for yourself and providing for yourself without thinking about other people. Like me grabbing the last uh, Pellegrino so that Nancy can't get it. Not that I would ever do that. I'm just saying. Just saying. It might have happened once. No, but you understand we're talking about more serious issues than a Pellegrino, right? But it starts with the little things, right? <laughs> okay. Okay, so the next, so he takes them to the holy city and sets them on the pinnacle of the temple and said, if you're the son of God, cast yourself down for it is written. He gives his angels charge concerning you to keep you in all your ways, to bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. So the second temptation would be protection. How, how far will you go to protect yourself? And I tell you, the temptation is real because I know just times that people left this church and, um, and it was nasty and they did horrible things to us. But we, but we couldn't. And the temptation when somebody asked what happened was to tell them what happened, but we couldn't do that. Matter of fact, there's things that happened here to this day that nobody knows except maybe me, Pastor Nancy, Paul, and Shirley. We just couldn't tell anybody. And some of those things, you'll meet that brother, that sister on the street today and say, hallelujah, praise the Lord, and they'll smile and shine at you. You have no idea what they did to the church. But I had no idea that Moses killed an Egyptian and buried him in the sand either. So I can't hold anything against them. But my first urge when it happened was to protect myself. Right. And so this is this is what Satan was tempting Jesus with. How far you how, how far will you go when you feel threatened? How far will you go to protect yourself to justify yourself when you're accused by somebody else? Right. The best way to deal with accusation is not not give life to it. It's just to walk away and refuse to partake. Say, no, no, my ear's not a garbage can. You're not dumping your trash in here. And no, I'm not telling you what they did to me because I don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's principalities and powers and the rules of darkness and spiritual wickedness. So whatever they did, a spirit was behind it. So I'm to love them and, and, and spoil the principalities and powers. Amen? So then the third one, he takes them up to an exceeding high mountain. And look at this, though. Think about this. He's saying, skip the pain. Skip the cross. Everything that Adam gave to me, I'm willing to give it back to you. You don't have to die. Just fall down and worship me. He took him up on the mountain and showed him the kingdom of this world. And he said, all these are yours if you fall down and worship me. Now, think about this seriously. Put yourself in the position of Jesus. Somebody's saying, if you'll compromise, I won't kill you. If you'll compromise, I'll let you go. If you'll deny Jesus, like the Colosseum in Rome, if you'll deny Jesus, we'll let you live. How many of them went and they just hung on poles and posts and got crucified the way that Jesus did and wouldn't back down? So, so when I look at this, I'm saying this represents a temptation for power. And when I think about power, it's like, what will I do when I know I have an advantage? And, and, and not only that, what will I do to gain authority? So many times in the kingdom of God, and I know there's nobody here like this, and I'm sure of it, but we're after a position instead of finding our place. 
No, there's a place for all of us. And we walk through that. And sometimes you find it early. And sometimes you're like Moses. You're 80 years old and you thought it was all over. And all of a sudden, God uses you to revolutionize something. I mean, there could be somebody under the sound of my voice right now. If you would just step out into the ministry that God called you to, revival would break loose in this church and in this city. One person could be holding it up. How do I know that? Because it's always the way, that way. You know, you don't think a few people can change the world. It's always been a few people that have changed the world. Always. It's not a multitude. It's a few people. So again, so skip the pain, avoid the cross. Uh, lots of times we like to comfort this, we, you know, if there's, a, if there's a way. And then what will I, will, will I take power when God gives it to me and use it to my advantage and manipulate and use people to get what I want? And don't look at me like that. It happens every day. There's, it's going on right now. Thank God it's, it's not going on here. You, um, 28 years, and you're the best people that I've ever pastored. I'm, I'm not saying that to butter you up or to flatter you. I'm saying I, I'm with some people now that regardless of your age, you've been through some things. You've had some broken things happen in your life. And you didn't quit. You didn't cave in. You're still here. And, and uh, you're the kind of people I, I want to hang out with. And I might step on, up on this platform, but that doesn't make me any higher than you. It's just so that you can see me. Because <laughs> I'm the mouth. <laughs> I happen to be the mouth today, but I'm not the voice. He's the voice. He spoke to you for an hour this morning. Actually, he spoke to you through all the praise and worship. It was him. It wasn't us. And if you'll take what he said and do it like he says in James 1, 2, 22, don't be a hearer, but do the word of God. If you'll make a decision today, I'm going to spend some quality time with my Lord. And I know that the distractions, when I make the decision, distractions are going to be diabolous, balls flying everywhere. But I'm, going, I'm making a decision that I'm going to focus the rest of my life on knowing the love of God. Because the more that I know the love of God, the more I can love somebody else. So it's not, even a, it's not a selfish thing. It's how can I get it and give it away? How can I get what God has for me and give it to as many people as I can? You want to see a revival? You want to see the move of the Spirit in this province? Start loving one another. Will people notice? Yeah, they will, because there's none out there. How many of you know there's no love out there? I mean, the media is just, well, just, just. And the plagues are upon the earth right now. I mean, the border between Russia and China is closed. 1,600 miles of border closed because they're not telling you how serious this virus is. It's serious to the point where it increased by 30% over the past few days. Thousands upon thousands upon maybe millions now. They're dying. Matter of fact, one guy said it's worse than Chernobyl already. And it started maybe, it started in a town where they have a laboratory where they're working on biochemical warfare. Could it be that they leaked it by accident or could it be even worse that they leaked it on purpose? Those are the things that are going on around us. The world is starving for, to know the love of God. And, you know, it's like I was talking to Pastor Paul yesterday. I said, you know, even in Exodus, the book of Exodus, we just read through it as we we're riding the, reading the Bible through. When you know we're in Leviticus, somebody help me, Jesus. <laughs> Never killed so many animals in my life. <laughs> no hope for wildlife in the book of Leviticus, I'll tell you that. <laughs> that poor deer. <laughs> Hallelujah. But, but when the ten plagues came on Egypt, the first three came on everybody. The last seven didn't touch. The lights were on in the land of Goshen, the Bible says. This is the land of Goshen. Amen. Your lights are staying on. You don't need to be afraid of any of those things that are going on in the earth. Why? Because you're blessed in the city. You're blessed in the field. You're blessed coming in. You're blessed going out. You're blessed on the plane. You're blessed on the highway. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and never underneath. 
Hallelujah. The Lord said, when you walk through the waters, they'll not, not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon you because I'm your, the Lord, your God. I'm your redeemer. Hallelujah. You've been redeemed. Once you were redeemed, but now you've been redeemed. You were in the pawn shop. No, no. The thing about being a slave to sin is like slavery any, anywhere in the world. It's the same thing. It's you're not you, you don't you're not a person. You're just property that somebody can buy and sell and abuse and just let you go until you drop dead. That's the way Satan is. So if you want to find out who started slavery, <laughs> go to the Garden of Eden. Find out how Cain killed Abel, rose up and killed him with a sacrificial knife, slit his throat. Hallelujah. I've been redeemed. Delivered out of the authority of darkness. Translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. <laughs> the son of his love, one translation says. Delivered into the kingdom of his dear son, the son of his love. In whom we have what? Redemption through his blood. Even the forgiveness of sin. Say this with me, please, and we'll, we'll leave. Say this with me. I forgive me. And I forgive you. Amen. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.